Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. Is now topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at UBNRadio.com. To the Larry XSL show. I am he. I am back. I am enjoying myself in this beautiful weather in California. Now, I'm not fighting off tornadoes and electrical storms, and we had a little bit of shower here. So, I actually have some friends of mine on the East Coast. You guys finally, actually, I can't call and tease you about your bad weather no more. So, I got to find something else to tease my East Coast people about. But anyway, thank you again. And I'm a little bit. Um, Slow on the pulling the trigger this today. I've got a little bit of sadness in my heart, as you know. We've been watching to see what has been going on in South Carolina, and so I, I really now because of the guest that we have today is a wonderful, wonderful human being here that you, I think you're gonna love, and um, I think I, I'm, now I'm going to just challenge myself in pronouncing his name. So those of you that know me know that I will butcher a name, but I think we have Mr. Carmelo. Karimo. Karimo. Yes. We have Mr. Karimo in the house. And Mr. Karimo, thank you for joining us. Give us a little hand clap for Mr. Karimo. And the reason I'm bringing Mr. Karimo in early in on the show because we've learned how quick this guy will go. And this is a brother that is a very spiritual-minded brother, very intelligent brother that has history and, and stuff to talk to us about. And guess what? Javis, the engineer guy, going to join us today. And so we're going to have some, have a little fun and talk a little bit about the little seriousness that's going on. And, and in fact, um, one of the things, when, when I was coming in, uh, uh, Mr. Karimo, and I was looking on CNN, so they released the, um, the, uh, with the, 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 in South Carolina with the shooting, they yes. released the video, video cam from the exactly. cop's car. So I really can't talk about that because I didn't see that. And uh, Javis, did you see that? No, I didn't see it. You didn't see that didn't yet? See that. And uh, so th- I, I know they're going to find some ways to twist the story a little bit here. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you um, – we want to talk about your book. I just can't wait to get into your book. But leading this off for a little bit, and I, uh, I owe it to my listeners to, to at least talk about this shooting and what, uh, what did you feel when you first saw this video? You know, I just I, – <clears throat> I usually don't look at TV or radio – and so I just saw it yesterday for the first time. Oh, wow. Yeah, for the first time. So I thought it was a horrific, you know, it's a, a terrible tragedy. And for, for him to get shot and shot in the back. You five know. times. Yeah, he actually yeah. shot at him eight times and yeah. shot him five times. And then with the taser and him dropping the taser and playing it near the body that, you know, that was you know, just an awful thing. Just, just, and, and you know what? I think the thing that's really strikes me not the most but to see how calm the officer was after he did the shooting oh, yeah. you know and i didn't hear a lot of people coming you you felt the same thing i felt, I felt the same yeah. way it was like bus- business as usual right yeah it was like okay no big deal kill mm-hmm. a nigga mm-hmm. and i go oh let's find this i, oh, I left my uh, taser let me go get mm-hmm. the taser mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. sorry people for using the n-word but sometimes something this serious i don't want to water it down mm-hmm. I, i'm not going to use the N-word, mm. because that's not what they use out oh, there. Yeah. And I'm really kind of, you know, 
as an African-American male or black, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. me, Negro, you know, I'm, I have to admit, I'm, 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 I'm upset. I'm upset because we can't afford it to be open season. Exactly. You know, and, and these cops, these white cops are getting to the point that they're treating it like it's open season. So if we don't sit back and call it mm-hmm. what it is and, and you know, uh, step up to the plate and, and make this and, and try to make some changes out here. Right. Because this whole thing is just black lives don't matter. That You know, that's why they have that slogan, you know, and that's what's happening, you know. What you know what's so fascinating about this now, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Mr. Karimo mm-hmm. was telling me about he marched with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and the Selma march. Yes. And you know, with what you saw in that video, and you marching with uh, the, the you, you made history. Mm-hmm. We have history sitting here with us people. Mm-hmm. What did you feel with the, with the, coming from that back in the 60s and then now in 2015, seeing it when you was out there on the field marching and and got to see some of the hatred from being uh, with boots on the ground and and at some point I know you said well it's gonna get better it's getting better and in a lot of ways it's had but tell me about the feelings between coming from Selma to 2015. Okay, you know um, first of all, back then participating in the Selma march I was 21 years old and I had no idea you know that. Uh, it would make such an impact on history. You know, and looking back, you know, it was like very dangerous when I look back on it. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I'm from Chicago and I was 21, just didn't have any fear. And uh, I experienced a lot of racist things back then with, uh, you know, uh, folks spitting in my face and giving me the finger and all all those kinds of things, you know, as uh, well as, uh, as the brutality back there from the police. And fast forwarding up to today, you know, we have the same things happening, the same racist attitudes that existed back then. You know, uh, it uh, it's just that people aren't as avert with it in uh, 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 presently, but you have uh, the police to doing the same type of things. You know, yeah, the, the police brutality, mm-hmm. and I think, and I, I tell a few of my friends, uh, some of my white friends, mm-hmm. and to and I. For a long time, I really thought that many of them knew mm-hmm. and just didn't. I mean, a lot of them do, but mm-hmm. I didn't think that there was white people that really didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe they were pretending not to know. Mm-hmm. And then as I have moved from my country, Mississippi, and starting to grow and to work with more and more whites, they really didn't don't know the brutality that goes on with the police department and African-Americans or black people in this country. Oh, yeah. And many of them really didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we're seeing now, with, uh, we're seeing them act react to the images uh, on TV. Mm-hmm. We are reacting because it's a history of culture with us. So we're not just reacting because mm-hmm. of it's on camera. Mm-hmm. We're reacting like, oh, finally? Mm-hmm. You finally you you about to say something, Jarvis? No, no. I was just saying that you're exactly right. I mean, we we've seen it so much in our communities, is that we're reacting in the sense of, well, finally, you know, they can see it, and they'll believe it. Yeah. Because they, I think that uh, what happens is they they tend to give the police the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for them to understand that mm-hmm. when it's not happening in their community. And it's the same way with back in Selma. You know, uh, it had been happening for months and months, you know, these marches and everything. But when they were crossing the, uh, the George Pettus Bridge and then uh, we had Bloody Sunday, then the red, uh, TV cameras and uh, media picked it up and, it, uh, you know, was shown worldwide. And so they brought that attention to it. And so it's mm-hmm. the same type of things that's happening now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on the media and uh, it is in folks' living room now where they can actually see What's happening? Yeah, you know, and I, 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 t- I was trying to figure out a way to explain some of what I feel is happening within the white community mm-hmm. now, because with the Eric Gardner and the Trayvon Martin and and uh, Mike Michael Brown, and so many of white America could still say, uh, uh, they still had an open mm-hmm. door, mm-hmm. a way out, because. It could be explained, right? You know, they could come in and explain why these young people mm-hmm. was killed mm-hmm. and whether it was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. They had a way to explain uh, the cops out of it. Mm-hmm. 
this is going to be hard for them to explain away a man running away and being shot this many right. times in the back. In the back. But I think one of the prob one of the things that is happening is most African Americans know someone in their family that has been abused by uh, the police department. Right. If not, all of us have felt that gun upside mm -hmm. our head. Mm -hmm. But I think what is happening is now most white Americans got to look inside their family and ask themselves, if my husband had a gun and, a gun and badge, is this what he would do? Mm -hmm. If my daughter had a gun and badge, is this what, what, what he or she would do? Mm -hmm. So white America now looking in their own families and saying, wait a minute. If you had a gun and badge, you would do the same thing. Right. So it's been, it's, they're finding out that it sits at the dinner table with them right. and they didn't know it. Right. And they were able to look the other way. Right. And I never had uh, <coughs> experienced uh, racism from the police until I moved to Los Angeles because in Chicago, you know, all the communities are segregated. You got the Irish Americans, yeah. Jewish Americans, and so you had a black American. So we had great role models, and so our policemen were black. And if you get stopped for traffic, they take you to, take you to the uh, police station, offer you some coffee, cookies, you know, while you wait until uh, to get uh, uh, bailed out or whatever. But here, I got met, I got stopped for a jaywalking ticket. Wow. And I was coming from the yes. state, and they put me in jail for three days for a jaywalking Three ticket days. And shackled me to someone who had murdered somebody, you know. And I, at the time, I was teaching school. I had to call them prison and tell them, hey, I'm, I'm in jail, you know. And it was just for a traffic warrant. But the one thing it taught me, pay my traffic tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now, uh, the, you, made, you made a good point. I remember uh, in, in my country, Mississippi, mm -hmm. We had to be conscious of the Klansmen. We had to be conscious not to be caught off by by ourselves mm -hmm. off in the woods somewhere. But we weren't. We was not. My generation was not abused by the police department. Yes. Because the the the, the community would not stand for the police department uh, doing that at the time. Exactly. And sadly to say, in a good way and a bad way, the old man, the boss man, Mister Typher, mm -hmm. wouldn't allow the police to beat up on his helpers. Mm -hmm. And they had to answer to a power source. Right. And I remember my father, uh, cops wanted me to come to the police department and be questioned by somebody throwing a rock or something, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And he pulls up in the front door. My father walked outside and said, well, what time do you want me to have my son down there for questioning? And the officer said, well, I could take him down. My father said, no, I don't want him, I don't want him riding in the backseat of that car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... And then when my father gave his word that he would have me there at 11 o'clock that mm -hmm. morning, guess what? Mm -hmm. My father had my butt sitting there at 11 o'clock that exactly. morning. So you had a you had a relationship. Exactly. You had some Different communication ideas. with the police departments and stuff. When I came to California, Dara Gates, <laughs> oh, my God, they were killing black men yeah. wholesale. Yeah. And at the time, the only thing they had to do was say, well, I thought he was on PCP. Mm -hmm. Right. You remember those days? Yeah, I remember yeah. those days. And then when they take you down to the state, then they uh, they hose you down to disinfect you. you yes. Know, strip down and dis and then they hose you down, you know, and check all your cavities and everything, you know. Just a humiliation. To totally dehumanizing mm -hmm. a human being. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm sitting up here thinking, I, I, tell me, am I wrong here? When people say, well, they need better training, you don't. If you need training to not shoot a human being in the back mm -hmm. five times, they used to be called a coward. Mm -hmm. That there was a name for that. It was called a coward. Um, that's not training. That just you didn't screen and get the right people on your police department. Right. You got the wrong people as walking around here as policemen, and we're calling them heroes. And mm -hmm. I think psychologically, one of the biggest problems with white America is that no one wants to defame or punish their heroes. So if you have programmed in white America that the police department is their hero, that's one of the psychological problems that is buried deep down, that how do we come back and punish our heroes? Mm -hmm. You know, do that make any sense? Right, that makes absolute sense. You know, so I, uh, I, uh, I want you to, what we're going to do is we... Uh, have your book. Okay. And I wanted to start this off and tie this in because your book is a great journey of a black man finding out about himself and who he or she is. And I think one of the 
things that is going to help us as black people come up out of this is that we're not going to necessarily change hatred, hate, hate. We're not going to change uh, how the massive, this old group rednecks opinion about us. But the more we learn about who we are and our roots and who we are inside and not let them identify us, I think that's going to be the greatest path that we can go on. Speak to that with it. Okay, because I, I um, think the main one of the main things is that we have to have connection. And when we realize just who we are and that we're all of the same spirit, I am you, you are me. And then if I harm you, I'm harm, harming myself. Wow. Yeah, so we have to uh, have that kind of love. And as you said, we have to learn our history. Because uh, because if we learn our history, this builds up the self-esteem in our young people, you know, to find out that, you know, most of the things we have, we created it originally, you know, from writing to the mathematics uh, to uh, just um, uh, everyday th items that we use to help ourselves. Because the slaves back then, uh, they wanted to make their job easier, so they created and invented a lot of the inventions. Mm -hmm. So if if uh, a young man knows that we created right, it's no reason he can't make it in that writing class. You know, if a young lady uh, understand that we did mathematics, we created this. It within calculus and geometry, it's not going to be any problems. You know, and so it builds a self esteem in our young people if they know our history and the things that we have contributed to the world. One of the things. Um, and um, when I was in Cameroon, uh, I had about 10 sons. I call them my adopted son. They were college Cameroon students. is in Africa, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> and Africa is a continent and not a country. <laughs> a continent with 54 countries, you know. And so uh, when I was in Cameroon, uh, I looked around, and the young pe uh, people, I was showing them a DVD of the contributions of, Afri of African people to the world. It was a DVD done by Dr. Kwaku Percy Lynn, also who happens to write the brag for my book. And I looked around, they were crying, and I said, why are you crying? They said, Daddy, Daddy, we had no idea that African people contributed anything to the world. We thought it was all white people, you know, especially the French. And I realized then that it's not over, only over here that our young people don't know their history. It's actually in Africa. You would think they would all know it because it's Africa, but they don't because they were uh, colonized. Uh, colonized. You know, yeah. just a bunch of slavery, they were colonized. So they don't know British history and fr French history, but they don't know their own history too. So at that time I said, well, the best thing I could do is probably build a culture center that could disseminate this knowledge. And then back then in 2007, I didn't have any land or anything. Uh, but I had the idea that I wanted to have this cultural center that would have books and TVDs and everything to disseminate this kind of inf information to them. And then later in 2011 and 12, when I went back the second time to Cameroon, I was given free land. I, oh, wow. Yeah, I was on that journey with the actress Shirley Lee Ralph and uh, one of the ladies in um, uh, Sweet Honey in the Rye. Uh, they were all on that same uh, trip with me. And we were all given free land. And there's three of us here in L.A. We're going to put our land together. We're all descendants from Cameroon and build this culture center that I thought about back in 2007. Well, in this culture center, is this going to be taking some of the maybe getting groups of young African-Americans to visit there and and vice versa? Yeah, we hope to have an exchange program. Because, you know, I've always said I wanted to be a bridge between African, the continental Africans and African Americans, you know, just somehow to be that bridge, you know. And I think through our culture center, we'll be able to do this. I think you're already the bridge. <laughs> I just got to get people to cross it with you. Okay. You know, and, and I appreciate it. Give us the name of your book. I mean, this, this is an excellent book. I didn't get to read, but I glimpsed through a okay. little bit of it. And this yeah. is it. I don't know what you, do we have. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is a wonderful book. And tell us how this book came about. Okay, it's called Radiance Truths, The Spiritual Journey of an African-American of Cameroon Descent DNA Test. And how the book came about <coughs> is like I've always had this thing for Africa. I don't know why. And so I, <laughs> but I just started, uh, so I started traveling in Africa in 1977, went to a big festival called Festac. And uh, since 77, I've been back 13 times 
and I've visited over eight countries. I've visited Nigeria, Kenya, Cameroon, Swaziland, South Africa, uh, Egypt, uh, amongst what countries I've covered. And um, uh, so I, I, when I had the D and the A test done, uh, I, the, uh, the technology came out for the DNA test. And so when I had it done and found out the, my ethnic groups were for Cameroon, I'm Bubi, Bamaleke, Hausa, and Fulani. And so I, I journeyed back there in 2007 and hooked up mm. with uh, descendants of, of my ancestors, particularly the Bamaleke tribe. Well, how, how did that change your life coming from an Amer- African-American descendant of slave without any knowledge, well, limited knowledge on where you came from, how has that strengthened you? Because you, you're a very powerful man, and I, and I love your energy and your power and your strength. Yeah, it was like a big piece of the puzzle out of my life that was fi- finally in place. Because now I don't have to just say I'm an African-American. I know I'm a Cameron-American. That's mm. the term that we use. And so it, it's, just, it's a good feeling. Like you know, I was saying, building up that self-esteem because I know exactly where my descendants came from. And, and it was uh, uh, interesting when I back back the second time, uh, they actually apologized for slavery, uh, the Cameroonians there. Really? Actually apologized for slavery. And then the, uh, on the first trip in back in 2007, when I hooked up with the Bamba Lakers, I uh, hooked up with a chief. And he uh, went on to tell how his great-great-grandfather had sold his own people mm-hmm. into slavery uh, for uh, trinkets, uh, for not just trinkets, but for whiskey. You know, a lot of us don't, you know, sort of deny that part that the Africans participated in that. But they, but the yeah. Africans themselves, you know, sold a, a lot of there, there were There were but many. They, yeah, they didn't know what they were selling them That's into. That's the key. They know. didn't know what they were selling them into. A- exactly, because it was part of the culture at the yeah. time. Uh, your enemies you take and you sell them to another And, tri- and even their group. version of slavery was mm-hmm. totally different. This exactly. is This slavery here was a new kind of slavery. This exactly. Is, this is something that, that has never happened. And I think uh, it's amazing. I, I have said this on, on, on my show a, a few times, and very few uh, African Americans have I talked to can actually answer this question because I say to my friends all the time, it's, you know, if you talk to a Hispanic guy and, and he finds a new land, he has a flag that he can raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you talk to an Asian, uh, Japanese mm-hmm. or Chinese, if he found a new land, what flag would he raise? Mm-hmm. And here it is, you come to an African-American, if he find a new land, what flag is he going to raise? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you can raise a Cameroon <laughs> flag. I can raise a Cameroon flag, yeah, very proudly. Yeah. It does not have to be an American flag, mm-hmm. the one that did the oppressing. Mm-hmm. And But that's a very powerful, powerful mm-hmm. thing to be connected to a land, and a lot of people don't realize that when you see the shooting and the killings of African American men here in America, mm-hmm. they're telling us this is not your land, mm-hmm. this is not your home. Now we don't have to buy into oh, it. Oh no, and we shouldn't. No. But there are those that really feel that this is not our mm-hmm. land. So there, no. in 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 that sense, we are a people without a land, mm-hmm. without a landmass, without a flag. Mm-hmm. And you being able to connect to that is very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, you are, and I think that once again, I'm repeating myself a little bit because of the seriousness of what our young men or women are going through now. We are lost. We still have so much residue of the slave mentality in us, and mm-hmm. people know that, mm-hmm. you know, and people see it. Right. And uh, I think uh, a thing um, with my book, I'm hoping that uh, people will read my book and uh, truly be blessed. And uh, that they will read it with the idea of that they will also go out and take such a test to find out their connections. You know, it, it seems like a hard thing to do, but it's, not, it's just it's really easy. Give us some examples of, of what what's in this in, in this treasure chest here. You know, tell us a little bit about what's in the treasure. chest. Well, you know, chest. it runs the gamut. Um, it's really like um, I set out to develop my journal. Because I journal each day I was in Africa, and I first went to do my humanitarian work. I do humanitarian work with a group uh, that I co-founded called Project Africa Global, 
And so we went to Swaziland, and we've been to Swaziland about six or seven times because we don't just move around. We put a Band-Aid on the situation. We like mm. to stay there. And so the first two weeks that I was in Swaziland, I journaled that. The group came back here. I went on to Cameroon, and I journaled that whole experience. But at the same time, I had uh, joined a spiritual center, and I was learning all about these spiritual things, and it sort of explained my life to me. Because before, I uh, thought I just had a, a miraculous life, a magic life, but I realized that all the principles of the universe was uh, uh, working to- for me all my life. So my book then became uh, a, like uh, a memoir. So it's like reading two books in one. You have the actual journal for when I was in Africa and the me- memoirs of my life. And the memoirs just jump all around. Uh, I've been married twice. I talked about my two marriages in there. Um, and uh, we mentioned earlier my uh, march in uh, Selma. Also, um, another interesting thing, when I was a young person, I went. Uh, uh, I set this intention to uh, go to Dinah Washington's funeral. I had heard it announced on the radio. And I, for some reason, I just wanted to be at that funeral. And so I talk about that story in there, how I managed to get to the funeral and not just get there, but I, uh, I ended up on the stage with other VIPs, you know, <laughs> and all these people all around me getting up speaking, and I'm just sitting Let there. Let me ask you a question mm-hmm. then, because you, you've mm-hmm. used uh, the word intentions mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. So something tells me that intentions is very important to, oh, yeah. uh, to your destiny and where, how you uh, got to this point and where you're going Tell us what that means to you. Yeah, um, I, I've just learned that, you know, uh, you set your t- intentions and then with the law of attraction and all that, working with it, it helps things to uh, materialize. And see, now it used to be happening haphazardly, but now I deliberately set my intention. I think I was telling you earlier, uh, Dick Gregory, who's one of my heroes, in fact, his picture's in, uh, uh, in the back of my book with me shaking his hand. He's always been a hero of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the same college together, Southern Illinois University. We both Alpha Phi Alphas. You know, we yeah, there were some connections yeah, there. Yeah, same fraternity. <laughs> uh, I read his book, uh, Cooking with Mother Nature, years ago, and so I started fasting. Did a 30, my first fast was a 30-day fast, you know, and we were down in the Selma March together. And so my life was always parallel his. And like, uh, about a month or so ago, he got a star on Hollywood Boulevard. Well, I know because of my friendship uh, with Mary Wilson, which is, uh, she writes a brag. Yeah, you got to tell book. us about that friendship with yeah, Mary Wilson yeah. of the Supremes. And, yeah. And so I know they have a meet and greet when they, people get a Holly, uh, star on Hollywood Boulevard. So uh, I called his secretary. And uh, so I asked her about going to the meet and greet. And she said, oh, no, uh, there's no way you uh, you can go there. Don't you know he has 10 children? And after <laughs> all, this star ceremony is for pe- uh, meet and greet is for people who have donated $1,000 or more. So the next day, uh, I, again, set my intentions. I said, I'm going to write the, a nice email and tell how our lives hit parallel, and I'm going to go to that greet and meet. Sure enough, the following day, she gets back with me. Well, Mr. Gregory read your email, and he wants you to be his guest at the meet and greet. Oh, wow. And so that didn't surprise me because I had set my intentions. Well, but, you, you know, you, you, you're such a fascinating person. So I'm skipping mm-hmm. a little bit because you said that uh, there, was, well, there was a part of your, your life at one point that was, thing was happening <clears throat> almost magically. Yes. Uh, well, and, and so tell me about that. Okay, I give several incidents of these miraculous happenings. <laughs> and they're very hard to believe, but this happened to me. That's why I journal it in my, um, my book. Uh, I had lost my, I went to Africa on a trip to Ghana and I had an organizer and I lost my organizer in Africa, in, in Ghana. And I was so upset and destroyed about losing this organizer. And I got back here, went back to, uh, to my classroom. I, I, by the way, I'm um, a retired school teacher. I taught 43 years. And wow. so one of my students, a fifth grade student, um, I was teaching one day and he came from the back of the room and he came up to me and he had my organizer 
He says, is this yours, Mr. Shaw? Now, this organizer looked like it had gone for a time warp. Is all Are you kidding me? But this is how it happened. Now, magic, I don't know how, how you would explain it, but... You know, this was this, this actually happened to me. So I know those things can it can work. You know. Well, you know, you coming out of <laughs> you coming out of Chicago, mm-hmm. and your family coming out of New Orleans or Louisiana, mm-hmm. then you have a more of a Baptist Christian background. Mm-hmm. And so, how did you? I want to say evolve. I'm going to say the word graduate to a science of mine. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 Am I right in yeah, detecting yes, that? Right, right, you're right. But because what it is, uh, when when I became part of science, but I didn't even know about it was science. About <laughs> I just knew it was spirituality, you know. And um, what I decided, you know, I had joined Agape uh, 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 International Spiritual Center. And when I joined, I, I had the intentions of going to my regular church because it was a full gospel Baptist church, and I'd been there. 23 out of 24 years, so there's no way I was going to leave my my, my church of Victory Baptist Church, uh, Full Gospel Baptist Church in Pasadena. And there was no way I was going to leave there. But uh, after I started going to Gopi, and I would feel empowered because I was learning uh, just who I was. But, but the, the, sign, you're, the size of mine is bigger than that one group over there. Uh, yeah, the yes, Minnesota. right, yeah. It's just uh, uh, it's a spirituality of learning who we are and that the, that we are spirit and there's no separation between me and God. At one time I thought God was just up in the sky, but I realized that he's within me, and especially through meditation. One of the things I talk about in my book is affirmative prayer and uh, meditation. And I said, if I could give a uh, gift to the world, it would be the practice of meditation mm. because it's going in within. See, uh, it's all an inside job where our, re- our uh, things that manifest on the outside all starts first with us visualizing, understanding it, and uh, feeling it within us. Well, you know, when you look at it and, and understanding that the human being, especially, especially the beauty of the human body, it, it, it is actually a map of the universe. Yes. And once you look at it, uh, from my perspective, a map right. of the universe, and what I like about the process of science of mind, or Scienti- mm-hmm. uh, not Scientology, but science of mind, is, is, is that it separates you from religion. Then religion becomes right. very small. Right. And once you understand who you are inside, and that's what takes me back to talking about we as young African American, African American, mm-hmm. young African American, mm-hmm. black people in America, and as black people mm-hmm. around the globe, because we have come from a position of being conquered. Right. We come from a position where our history have been hidden and and we've been separated from it. Mm-hmm. But and we still think that sometimes we got to dig in archaeology to find who we are. Yeah, because but who lot, we are is inside. Exactly, because a lot of religions is divisive, is you know, but uh with science of mind is more of inclusion, including yes. everybody. And the understanding that we all are one. I am you, you are me. Namaste, the God the God in me sees the God in you. And mm-hmm. then we go to this the the, the this 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 love, mm-hmm. yes, and oh, it, yeah. this which is the most powerful energy <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I know someone yeah. gonna say, "Larry, you said love." Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, that's the energy, the omni uh, agape love. You know, I could say omnipresent, omniscient, but it's also omni agape. And you um, know, and a lot of people, and mm-hmm. I have to bring this up because I know some of my listeners, and he does not mean the church. No. Uh, a, a lot of people don't don't know how to separate agape love from the Yeah, because it's a Greek it's a Greek word, you know. Yeah, and, and uh in the Bible it talks about the different kinds of uh, uh, love. Mm-hmm. And the highest is the agape love, which is the unconditional love. But it's also love, uh, a love that we have for each other, love that you have for your family. But the highest is that of unconditional love when you can love. Because if you really love somebody, it would be the way you'd be out harming them or shooting them in the back. If you understand that this, this is also you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you look at some of the... And going back, I think there was a brilliant, a wonderful thing you said about religion. And I think I want to shrink religion. Like, I remember one of the Republicans said a few years ago that they wanted to shrink the government... Uh, so small that they could drown it in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. I want to shrink religion so small <laughs> that I can drown it in a spoon mm-hmm. of water. Mm-hmm. 
Because a lot of the people that's doing all of this damage, mm-hmm. going to war, want to bomb this country, want to bomb that country, want to enslave that person, mm-hmm. want to cut this person's head off. It's all, not all, but most of it, it's religion involved. Right. I guarantee you the cop that shot that man in the back was baptized as a Christian. I'd right. be willing to right. bet and my the, life on and it. And all the judgment that comes with it. You know? And all the judgment right. that come with it. Mm-hmm. And all the judgment. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, right. Because that's what, uh, because like I said, I I was intending to go to my uh, regular religious church, but when when I went there one Sunday, he uh, he got to talking about uh, to the young people. There were a lot of young people in our church, and he said, "I know you were out last night just drinking and partying. You're not. And you had to crawl into your house and go to the bathroom and throw up. You're nothing but a bunch of." Buttheads, and, oh. and then he went on with the Adam and Steve thing, and you know I left the church feeling so down, and then when I went to my spiritual center, I was feeling so up and alive and empowered, like I could take on the world. Yes, you know. So I said, you know what, I like this feeling better, so I'm just going to attend my spiritual center. Yeah, and, and you know, and and that's the whole thing, mm-hmm. and like like you said, the the, the pushing of the Adam and Steve, which are now. Mm-hmm. You see what they're trying to do mm-hmm. with the gay community mm-hmm. in in California. They mm-hmm. want to pass a law to shoot mm-hmm. uh, a gay person, yeah. or you have cities now that want to pass laws that people from the LB is it LBG LBGTQ LBGTQ <laughs> community, and you know, and I remember when I was considered coming out of the out of Mississippi mm-hmm. considered homophobe. Mm-hmm. I don't say I was, but mm-hmm. this is how it was mm-hmm. perceived mm-hmm. at the time because right. of my own mm-hmm. lack of understanding. Right. But then as I And your grown, religious belief. And your and a Baptist mm-hmm. religious belief. Right. But but once you grow into yourself, mm-hmm. once you understand and you become uh, getting into the spirit means you're open to people. Then mm-hmm. people are free mm-hmm. to be who they are. Now I could never in my life I could never endorse some of the mm-hmm. madness mm-hmm. out there. And in fact, I think one of the things that I'm hoping to happen that people from the from the gay and lesbian community mm-hmm. and because it's a multicultural right. kind of step in and we all pull our resources together. Mm-hmm. And the African American community and the gay and lesbian community, mm-hmm. that's a lot of resources because mm-hmm. what they're doing with all this religious crap is keeping us separated. Right, exactly. And one of the things I talk about in my uh, SGL man, meaning same gender loving man, I talk about um, the bonding that I found in Africa. You know, uh, whether brothers is uh, is not a homosexual thing, it's just a close bonding of brothers Mm. that I experienced there, you know, at. and, uh, that you don't experience in this country, you know. And you're uh, free you, to it because right, right. Of, you're bro- open yeah, to it. Brothers are holding hands, you know. One of the things they are, oh, you're leaving tonight, I'm asleep with you. They don't mean the homosexuality. They just want to keep you company. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's about that type of bonded thing. And we're so afraid mm-hmm. of that. We've been programmed right. so afraid of that. Right, right. And But, I, you know, here again, I, I love this conversation because mm-hmm. we're just spreading all over the place. Yeah. Now, one of the that's things. That's my book does is all over yeah, the place. Yeah, that, I like the yeah, theme of yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that happened to us that is unspoken, you probably hear it for the. Uh, some of my people that watch the show know I've mm-hmm. talked about this. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that once I look back, I ask myself, why am I so anti gay? Mm-hmm. Or what is the root of mm-hmm. it? Because everybody was say, well, you're scared, it's going to rub off. No, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with who I am. I, I know that. But you know what I found out? We don't realize that when they were selling slaves mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. that if the slave had feminine ways, mm-hmm. he was beat mm-hmm. until he man up, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Because his price was down mm-hmm. if he had feminine ways. Right. Right. And he could not, and mm-hmm. the the other buyers wouldn't buy him mm-hmm. if he was gay. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that it was mm-hmm. just religion with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Remember, Christianity was bestowed and mm-hmm. forced on us yeah. a few years later mm-hmm. once you couldn't read and write. Mm-hmm. But then when I look at the core, not all of it, mm-hmm. I'm not excusing it, mm-hmm. but some of the core that we haven't talked about is how we was treated if we was gay by the sale mm-hmm. and trade, and then the number of rapes mm-hmm. 
that black mm-hmm. men went through right. yeah. from gay slave yeah, owners. Yeah, right. That's that's seldom talked about. And it's not talked right. about. I think I saw one movie that dealt with that. You know. Yeah, and you know. Uh, and but go right ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. and and then too, you know, you have to remember our culture coming from Africa. There were warriors. But also there was the ones who t- took care of the cattle and the peaceful ones, you know. And so you had a different kind of uh, African, uh, even in Africa. Yes, you did. You, know, you had the aggressive warriors, uh, you know, the macho. And then you had the peaceful ones who took care of the herds and things like, uh, did the farming and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and Africa. one that would be considered mm-hmm. having feminine traits. Uh, exactly, yeah. So yeah. you had that, mm-hmm. and it wasn't necessary, but it wasn't necessarily, mm-hmm. but... Uh, 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 um, something that was wrong with the culture, mm-hmm. but when they were sold into slavery, mm-hmm. that part was beat out of them. Oh yeah, yeah. And then once again, I'm being repetitive, mm-hmm. and we forget how many the the, the male rape, mm-hmm. the forced mm-hmm. bestiality right. yeah. upon black men, right. and we don't want to talk about this. So that's part of. I let some of my listeners know that when you judge African people about the homosexual mm-hmm. and what's in their culture mm-hmm. we cannot remove that and then on top of that we got the religion yes and so we can get past all yeah. of this right. so right. I, I i i think um tell me about some light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> tell well, me what you see you you're, you're wise man tell me what you see in it well i i think um what i see at the end of the tunnel is that in our, our planet is is shifting, and even in, in religions, people are in religion, they're getting a more to understand that we are all one people, that we are spirit, are ha- uh, in uh, having in human form, having a human experience, but who we really are, will live has always been. Can you imagine yourself not ever having been? Because we have always <laughs> right. been. We always have. And we always will be. Yes. You know, and I think that uh, at the light of, uh, at the end of the tunnel, is us realizing that we are all one people. And the reason I ask you that, because I got permission from this young man, and his story just is so powerful. And you um, suffered a stroke. Yes. And... And then when I asked you about it a few minutes ago, I asked him, I said, well, uh, is it okay to bring it up? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, and he mm-hmm. said, I didn't have no pity party. Yeah, yeah, no, I've never, never. And again, it's because of the understanding and the principles that I had learned uh, at my spiritual center. Uh, because I know that uh, this body is not me. I, you know, I, I, I live in this body and, you know, it's like living in a house, but it's not, and I control everything in it. But it's not who I am. Who I am have never been hurt, harmed, or been in any kind of danger, and uh, and so when I had the stroke, I looked at it to say, okay, what challenges you know am I uh, going to have, and what opportunity can mm. I find out in this health center to help others? And before I had the stroke, I was very independent. I didn't want anybody to do anything for me, but now I'm at the point. Uh, where I welcome people to help me when, oh, I, wow. when I need help. And then, too, even if I can do it myself, I'll still allow you to do it because I don't want to block your blessing. I want I still want you to be able to be blessed for help, helping me. That is yeah. very powerful. Right, yeah. yeah. And so I never say, you'll never hear me say my stroke. It's only the stroke because I know that I'm going to overcome this, this health challenge also in my life. Uh, how long ago did was it? Uh, the uh, stroke occurred in 2010. And in 2010, I was just about through writing the book. And I had gone to Ghana. And uh, two weeks after I came back from Ghana, in fact, I met Agape uh, Spiritual Center over there. They were, I had gone to uh, see Brother Tete. I know Brother Tete yeah, very well. Yeah, Brother yes. Brother Tete's church, and I had a stroke uh, two weeks after I uh, I got back, and um, at that time um, I was in best of shape. You know, I was going to the gym four days a week. I was boxing two days a week, hiking, doing everything because I had retired in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was just enjoying life. I was substitute teaching. I had gone back to substitute teaching, but I was basically really enjoy, enjoying life when uh, this occurred. And so uh, since then, I, uh, when I finished the book, I started uh, back on the book last year, I wrote an epilogue of all the things that occurred with me from 2010 to 2004. 
So the guy and you included this stroke and 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 the, the stroke. Right, I, right. I, I I like the way you 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 stated that, mm. and you are the perfect guest for me today. And mm. the times where we're looking at well, there are so many out there that's right. feeling like there's no hope, right. and then there are so many that is finding ways mm. to not push forward to fight for the for tomorrow yeah. and then with your challenges and for you to say this the essence of you have never been in danger exactly the exactly. essence of you have mm. not been injured exactly. but that body mm. that house you mm. has its challenges exactly did i hear that correctly exactly that you're and, absolutely right and that that is such a powerful mm. statement and and th and that's why and Adding to what you just said as far as about the future, I'm a little, I want to bite my car tire and chew a few pencils and stuff because mm -hmm. of what I see what's happening. But I can't honestly see. I looked up and I see all of these young people on these college campuses that are fighting for gay rights, all across mm -hmm. all the color mm -hmm. lines, fighting for human rights across color lines. I see all of these young people or when we get to see the evening news where there's young Asian kids, white kids, black kids holding up signs mm -hmm. saying black lives matters and this lives. That is the, the, the hope. That's, yes. that, that is the hope right there. And I think we should be the water to, to water the knowledge that we have and the experience mm -hmm. we have on those new seeds out there and watch it grow and bear the fruit of the future, yes. which is hope and love and compassion for one another and knowing that we all have been here, mm -hmm. is and, here, right. and always will be. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. And uh, you, uh, you had mentioned earlier about my friendship with Mary Wilson. Yeah, tell me yeah, a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a real special. We had first met when I was about 18 years old. She came down to the University of Southern Illinois. And my fraternity, Alphas, of course, had uh, chosen me to, uh, we picked straws, actually, I won. <laughs> and uh, present the Supremes with uh, our uh, fraternity flower, which is the yellow rose. Oh. And uh, so I, I was back of the stage and I presented with the flowers there. And so to fast forward, then I saw uh, Mary, you know, I would always see at the airport. And then I went on a cruise in the 90s. Oh, well, uh, first of all, I, um, I moved out here to Los Angeles. But, but so 10 years later, after college, after I first met her, uh, I ran uh, to her at, a, at a party that was given for Diana Ross. And so I t uh, she said, don't I know you? And I said, I don't think so. And then I remember I had presented these flowers, and I didn't think she would remember that. And she said, oh, yes, I remember the auditorium, back at the gymnasium and everything. And so she remembered it in detail. And so back in, so then going to the 90s, I was on a cruise, and um, she was performing on the cruise. Wow. And so this, uh, so the, you guys reconnected. Huh? Exactly. She had some downtown time. She said, "Hey, let's hang out," and we got to talk about uh, books and things, uh, the books that we had read, and we had so much in common. She always wanted to be a teacher, and I always wanted to be an entertainer. <laughs> so we both lived vicariously through each other, yeah. you know. Only for the uh -huh. sake of time, because mm -hmm. we're yeah. running out of time here. Yeah. I'm so enjoying it. You got to do this with me okay. again. Okay. You got to yeah. promise you're going to do this with no, me again. No problem. And so, uh, but Mary Wilson of the Supreme played a part. I work with you in this book, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I write a whole chapter about our, our friendship. Now, let me tell you why we're connected. And she again. did, uh, uh, she did uh, uh, the brag on the cover of my book. Let me tell you why you and I are connected again. Okay. We're finding out how we've been crossing. <laughs> we know some of the same people yeah. here. I uh, worked with Lamont Dozier for seven years. Oh, wow. And wow. Lamont Dozier wrote all those, yeah, those exactly. songs for Donna Ross and exactly. the Supreme. Exactly. And uh, I was with him and helped him reproduce his album, distribute his album mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Then I ended up working with Smokey Robinson. Wow. So that whole Motown wow. thing there, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, six, six degrees of separation. Yeah. <laughs> and then we talked about our friend Swamp Dog earlier. Yeah, we were talking about our friend Swamp Dog. You make sure that guy called me. I got to get his number. But uh, I, I think uh, I just appreciate you so much because 
knowing your journey, mm-hmm. a little bit about your mm-hmm. journey, and you being able, you're sharing your journey with with us and, and my audience, and and those of you that are listening, I know you're gonna enjoy this. And and then when you got to the part where you, your challenge, mm-hmm. I noticed that you lit up. You move forward. You didn't <laughs> bounce back, and <laughs> you didn't drop your head. Mm. Your eyes didn't move, shift. There was a light in you when you talked about the journey of the stroke, right? And that just tells me that we have so we can learn so much if we look at this challenge that we have today mm-hmm. and see it. I mean, let's look at the problem that we're calling today and see it as a challenge that it is but new possibilities exactly, and new opportunities. We're going to be shutting off in a quick second. So give us a word of wisdom. Give us the name of your book real quick. Uh, again, it's uh, Radiant Truth, The Spiritual Journey of an African-American of Cameroon Descent DNA Test. And I do have my social media information. I'm on um, www.radianttruths.com. www.radianttruths.com. Dot com. And then on my Facebook is it's Radiant Truths. And then my Twitter is Karimu Shaw at Corey4540. And that's Karimu, K-A-R-I-M-U-S-H-A-W at K-O-R-Y4540. So you can find me there. And then you'll catch this show on blue on YouTube and mm-hmm. uh, you, you'll be able to get that up. Mm-hmm. Give us a words of wisdom of goodbye. Okay, well, I just like, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I, the words of wisdom I would like to leave with everybody is just, hey, just always just do the right thing. And uh, as Spike Lee said from his, his movie, do the right thing. And uh, and the things will manifest and happen. In now, life. that's from the brother. Mm-hmm. Karimo. Mm-hmm. I got it, huh? Yep. You got anyway, it. this is Larry X. I just want to thank you. You are an example of human beings looking at the obstacles ahead mm-hmm. in front of them mm-hmm. and seeing that there is a light at the end of the mm-hmm. tunnel that is a bright light of a love and spirit. Remember, this is Larry X. show. A, a nation can rise no higher than it elevates its woman. Peace. Thank you, guys. I'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.